All right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, welcome to the house. Thank you, man, so much for being here in Florence. It's so good to have you guys here. Can we welcome everybody at our Lawrenceburg location, man? It's good to have you guys in the house. Come on, give it up for our show's location. Come on, it's good to have you guys and everybody else watching online. Whether you are faith family or first-time guests, we want to say welcome. Come on, we say it every week. We believe that Jesus, come on, say it. He is the hope of the world. Whoever you are, whatever you're going through, your issue, your hurt, your heartache, or your habit, we believe you open up your life to Jesus. It'll be the greatest decision that you've ever made. Hey, listen, before we get into the message, I just want to talk about who we are as a church for just a minute. Several years ago, we made a decision that even though we've always given money and resources to missions, missions, that's a church word. I'd never heard of that word really until I got in the church world. Missions is this idea of how we financially and physically support the gospel going forth. The gospel is the preaching of the message and the practical hands and feet of helping and changing the world we live in. And so as a church, we believe that Scripture teaches that the tithe is the basement beginning training wheels for generosity for a Christ follower. And what that means is we believe the first 10% goes back to the Father. It go, it's His. Before we spend it on us, buy for us, pay bills, whatever, we give the tithe. And because we believe in that, my wife and I, we are tithers. We believe as a house we should tithe, which means before we hire more people, buy new buildings, buy new stuff, we're, tith- we're at least a tithing church, which means 10% of everything comes to this house. We make sure it goes back out. Benevolence goes back out in missions work here in our local community, in the nation, and around the world. We have all kinds of mission partners that you get to hear about on a regular basis. And we call that our Kingdom Builders Initiative. It's a generosity initiative where we take the giving above and beyond the tithe, and we commit it to building God's kingdom around the world. And what we do is we make sure that the first 10% always goes out, but I make commitments to part ministry partners of mine. If our people are generous, if God gives us the capacity to give above and beyond our tithe, then we will give more, which means we make a minimum commitment to our mission partners that go out oftentimes monthly. But then we say at the end of the year, if more money comes in, expect some checks so you can do more. And so we are getting ready to get to the end of the year. So far, because of your generosity, you've given about $475,000 to Kingdom Builders. Come on, somebody. However, we've made, uh, we've made commitments. When I say commitments, I mean, here's our, go- here's our hope, here's our goal of $700,000. And so we get this place at the end of every year. We're here. I want to just issue a challenge. If you have been giving, thank you. But I want to encourage the house, everybody here in Florence, Lawrenceburg, Shoals, if you watch online, but you consider Faith Church your church, I want to consider you to give an extra offering above and beyond. We do no extra offerings here. If you go here, you never hear second offering, building offering. It's all kingdom builders. It's all kingdom builders. So if you are giving, this is an opportunity to finish your pledge if you made one. If you're not giving here, this is a great opportunity for you to get on board. If you show up here and you're fed here and you grow here, your kids love it here, your children are being fed here, you're being discipled here, they're at a, they're at a uh, conference this weekend. If this is home base, you help us do what we do. Come on, somebody. And I want to encourage you to bring your best gift on December 5th, two Sundays from this Sunday. You can continue to give through the end of the year for sure, Kingdom Builders. But I want us to reach our goal, not because I want to put checks in the hands of our partners, but I want to make sure that people are getting hope, people are getting meals, buildings are being built, colleges that are training up the next generation of pastors are being built, that we're spreading the gospel around this world because we say that we we believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. It's not governments, it's not institutions. Come on, we believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. Come on, somebody. And when you give here, you make that possible. And so can I encourage you to consider being a giver here if you're not? If you are, thank you. December 5th, two weeks from today, all of our campuses, bring your best gift 
bring it and market kingdom builders, and we're going to believe God to reach our goal. Amen? It's going to be a great year. Thank you guys so much for that. Well, here we are. We are in week number three of this series entitled November. First two letters of the word November is what we're capitalizing on. It's this idea that there are things in my life, things in your life that we should say no to. In fact, we know this is true that as individuals, we exert the free will God's given us to say yes to certain things and no to certain things. And if you'll say yes to the right things and no to the wrong things, you'll begin to move forward in your purpose and in the plan God has for you. You'll move forward in your relationship with Christ. And so the challenge that we've been issuing is what are some of the things that we need to say no to? We, one, we talked about this idea that I think everybody wrestles with, saying no to a fear of the future. Last week, we talked about this idea of, of saying no to rejection. A lot of us deal with rejection. Man, I heard, thank you so much, heard so much feedback from so many of you who are ministered to in that message. And today, what I want to lean into is I want to have this conversation. And I'm just going to tell you up front, this is probably going to be tough, but I'm going to believe God to help us out to have this conversation. Today, I want us to say no. Everybody say that word, one, two, three. No, I want us to say no to a lack of commitment. No to a lack of commitment. When I say a lack of commitment, statistics are continuing to trend and tell us that we are a low commitment, no commitment culture. That's just who we are. It's who we're becoming more and more, a low commitment and no commitment culture. Think about this. How many times have you committed to something in your life and didn't follow through? You committed to do something for you. You committed to get back to the gym, to get on a budget. You committed to a friend. You committed you would do something, help somebody, get involved. Come on, how many people here have ever committed to do something and didn't follow through? Raise your hand. And probably what you'll find is not just you. Let me just throw this out up front. What if everybody who said, I'll call you back in an hour, called back in an hour? I'm just telling you, I'm here to transform the world today. We're about to raise the roof and the bar on commitment. But again, the challenge is, unfortunately, we're not there. This is why business models like Planet Fitness and Crunch Fitness, this is why those business models work. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but think about this. Planet Fitness, they charge $10 a month, and you can go there as much as you want, work out as much as you want, but it capitalizes on our culture, our low culture, our low commitment, no commitment culture. Here's why. is because a, a group of men and women, really smart men, men and women, got in a room and decided, how much can we charge chumps that will pay us but not show up and use our equipment? I'm telling you, that's what they do. Because they, they knew you wouldn't pay too much money because you're low commitment, no commitment. They knew you wouldn't sign contracts because we're low commitment, no commitment. So they said, if we tell them no contract, give us mm, $10 a month and you can come as much as you want. Do you know how they can make that model survive? Is because none of us show up and we're out their equipment. But we give them $10 every... I'm preaching somebody. I'm preaching already. <laughs> and we just keep... You know why? Because we'll pay it because it's... I'm not paying you $30. That's too much. 20 that's too much. Contract, no. $10 a month, pay as you go. I can do that. I've not been to the gym since before COVID. There's a, I just came out. I just put it out there. But they're still getting my $10 every month. Actually, I got the gold membership or black membership, whatever it's called. They're taking more of my money and I ain't doing nothing with it membership. Come on, because we are a no commitment. We are a low commitment culture. The challenge is, let's just be honest, a lot of us, we're afraid of commitment. We're scared of selling out. We have a deficiency in determination. 
What is commitment? When we talk about commitment, what is character, what is commitment characterized by? What does it look like? Commitment is this idea of being determined despite distractions. No matter what else is trying to pull you off path, you're determined. Commitment is this idea of staying committed regardless of the struggle. You might face some battles, but you're going to struggle through to the other side. Here's the definition I came up with that I want to capitalize on as we have this conversation on this idea of commitment. It's this right here. I want us to say it together in all of our locations. A commitment is keeping your pledge regardless of the... Come on, let's say it again. A commitment is keeping your... Regardless of the... Now... This is a really big idea that we're going to lean really hard into today, and I believe God's going to help us to move the ball and get somewhere. Again, the challenge is, I think, unfortunately, it's easier for us to not keep the pledge because we don't want to pay the price. It's easy for us to leave. It's easy for us to tap out rather than fight through. It's easier for us to throw in the flag rather than continue to struggle. It's just easier for us to back out of commitments we made or to never make those commitments. Let me just give you some examples. A lot of us in our daily decisions, we are not high commitment people. A lot of us, we set an alarm and we hit snooze, commitment issues. A lot of us, we commit to go to the gym and we don't go. Another another Monday has come and went, commitment issues. We have commitment issues all over. We have commitment issues. I told you it's going to be tough. We have commitment issues in the church. It takes several hundred volunteers at our locations. As we grow as a church and grow in campuses, it takes more and more volunteers, people who are willing to say, I'll be there, I'll hold a baby, I'll teach a kid, I'll love a teenager, I'll hold a camera, I'll open a door, I'll greet VIPs. Like there's hundreds of volunteers it takes and people who check a box through our digital connection and say, I'll be there and then bail out last minute. Low commitment, no commitment people. It's what we want to do and it's what we think we should do. However, We don't do it. We don't meet our pledge because we're not willing to pay the price. Again, not just in our personal life. I mean, let me just ask you the question. When when was the last time you broke a promise to somebody? My goal today is if we do nothing else, imagine what this world would look like if everybody actually called us back in an hour like they said they would. It'd be a whole new world. It's not just in our daily decisions. It's in our relationships. Nationally, as a nation, less people are getting married, even though we're increasing as a population. There are less marriages than ever. FYI, we're big boys and girls, so I can say this on Sunday morning, at least at the church I pastor. Sex is on the increase and marriage is on the decrease. Now, if I don't know where you're at and where your theology is at, but I'm just telling you, if you're a Christ follower, those two ideas are in contradiction. So not only are people getting married less, why? Because people are afraid of commitment. I don't, know if I, can, I don't know if I can marry that person. I don't know if I can be with them forever. Some of you won't marry somebody because you're waiting for somebody else better to come along. And I'm just telling you, you better get on that train while you can because that's the best shot you have. Have you looked in the mirror? <laughs> come on. Come on. It's challenges that all of us face in commitment. Not only are commitments on the decline, people aren't getting committed People aren't getting married. People aren't staying married. People are abandoning marriages at an unprecedented rate. Even though they stood before friends, family, and their creator, and they said, God, for my commitment, for better or for worse, for richer, for poorer, even though they made all of these commitments, people are walking away. Why? Because we are increasingly a low commitment, no commitment culture. And it's most true, if we're honest, I think it reflects and is found in our relationship with God. 
we show up in services or we listen to podcasts or we do our devotions and we feel like God calling us to do something. God, I'm going to start doing that. God, I'm never going to do that again. And we find ourselves not keeping the commitments to Christ that we make. We continue to do the things we said we wouldn't do or we never start doing the things we said we would do. We have commitment issues. And I think God wants us to say no to a lack of commitment. Let's say it together on the count of three. One, two, three. No to a lack of commitment. And so I want us to think for, an, for just a few minutes, think about commitment. I don't think there's any person we can look to as a better example of commitment than to Christ. Think for a minute of how committed Christ has continued to be to you and to me. I don't know about you, but I would have given up on me a long time ago. But man, the wonderful thing about the God we serve is he is always faithful. He never gives up. He never leaves us. He never abandons us. He sticks closer than a brother. He continues to fight our battles. He continues to give grace. The Bible says that his mercy endures for a thousand generations. How many people are thankful and grateful that we serve a God who is committed to us? Think about this. You go all the way back to the garden. In Adam and Eve, God made a perfect paradise. He gave Eve, a good-looking dude with six-pack abs who loved the Lord. He gave Adam an hourglass figure, bride, beautiful from head to toe, inside and out, who loved the Father. And even though God gave them everything perfect, they still committed cosmic treason against their creator. Now, I'm just telling you, if I'm God, I'm wiping that experiment out. Wouldn't you? But God didn't give up. Why? Because God is continually committed. And instead of wiping out Adam and Eve, instead of wiping out a sinful human race, what did he do? He provided a sacrifice in the garden to cover the sin of Adam and Eve because God is committed to us. You move into the time when the nation of Israel came out of, Israel, came out of Egypt and they're wandering in, 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 in the wilderness for 40 years. And even though all they did was complain, read the story. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? They continued to rebel and God continued to be faithful. And when they were hungry, God provided DoorDash donuts every single morning. God provided, come on, God provided quail. Come on, all of the carbs and proteins they needed, God hand delivered every single day to their house. I'm just telling you, I would have gave up, but God was committed to his people. When they moved into the promised land, God said this, listen, hey, when you get to this new land, don't do like the other nations do. Don't serve the gods they serve. Don't worship false gods that they worship. Don't intermarry because it's going to corrupt you and you're going to bring their garbage into your house. Don't do it. And what did they do? Immediately when they got there, they started worshiping other gods, worshiping false idols. If I was God, I would have given up. But God continues to be committed. Instead of giving up, he provided deliverers. If it's not personal enough, think about this. How has God been faithful in staying committed to you? Think about how many times you have let down your heavenly father with commitments you didn't keep. And God doesn't give up. And at the culmination of commitment is the cross. And this is what I want to lean in today. And I want to have this conversation. Here's what I want us to think about is, is what was the catalyst? When you think of commitment, let's be honest, we don't do a great job keeping them. Even though Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no, we are not those kind of people. But when you look at Christ, Christ was a person of commitment and the culmination of commitment was the pain and the agony of the cross. What was the catalyst that made Christ keep his commitment to the cross? Because I think if we can learn from that, it'll help us. And it's found in Hebrews chapter 12. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us about Jesus and his commitment 
to the cross. Watch this. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Stop. So he's letting us know that this, this journey we're on, this, this spiritual thing, it's not a destination. It's not, I prayed the prayer and I'm done. It's not like, hey, I, I went to church and I'm good. I went to VBS and I, I, like I checked the box. What he's saying is for all of us that a relationship with God, it's an ongoing venture. It's a, he compares it to a race. We're, we're all running a marathon. And I don't know about you, but he's saying, hey, sometimes you're going to get a stitch in your side and you're going to want to tap out. Sometimes you're going to see other people passing you. You're going to want to give up. He says, so how do we keep running our race? How people here want to finish your race? He said, the only way you're going to finish your race is if you make a commitment and keep it. How do we do it? How do we keep our commitment to the race? Here it is. Watch this. Verse two. We do this. Here it is. By keeping our eyes on Jesus. He's, he's about to give us something. He's saying, listen, he's, he's not just a distraction from other stuff. He's our example. Here's how. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Here's how Jesus kept his commitment to the cross. I want you all to read this next part with me. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarded its shame, and now he's seated in a place of honor beside God's throne. Here's what I'm trying to tell you is, is Jesus facing the cross, facing the commitment of the cross, facing the struggle of the cross, facing the pain of the cross. He kept his commitment. How? What was the push? What was the catalyst to his commitment? It was this, is because he knew what was waiting for him on the other side for the joy that was awaiting him. Everybody say the joy. What was the joy? What was the joy that, that took Jesus through the cross? Well, first of all, and I know we don't talk a lot about this, but one of the things that was a joy for Jesus was to do what pleases Heavenly Father. He said, listen, if I can just get, if I can just make sure that my Heavenly Father knows that I've honored him with my life, like that's enough for me. I just want you to know, sometimes in life, you can't always do what's easy and you can't always do what culture wants to do. Sometimes doing what honors your Heavenly Father is the very best thing you can do. Getting his smile and approval is always better than getting a smile and approval of the people around you. He said, Jesus, he said Father, if I do what pleases you, that's my joy. But you know what really his joy was? He said, for the joy that's waiting me, I'm going to go through this cross. You know what the joy was? You and me. We're his joy. We're his joy. We're his joy. Everybody say, I'm his joy. You don't feel that way sometimes, do you? You feel like I'm a disappointment. You feel like I'm a failure. You feel like I'm a letdown. God said, no, you're my joy. For the joy set before me. You know how I know you're his joy? Because the apostle Paul, who traveled and established churches, he, on four different occasions, in four different churches, he said this group of people in Thessalonica, in Galatia, in Ephesus, he said, these people are my joy when I preach the gospel to them. And we came from every tribe and every tongue, from black people and white people, rich people and poor people, Gentile people and Jew people, slave people. And free. He said, we all came because of the gospel. He said, you know what? You're my joy. I don't know if you all know, but I got a granddaughter. I know you heard about her. Get ready. You're about to hear about her for the next 18 years. Every morning, my daughter sends, we had a family group text, and every morning she sends a picture of a video. She shortchanged me one day, and I had to get on her. I was like, girl, you better send that picture through because my granddaughter, whoo, that's my joy. My kids don't know this yet, but I done written, written them out of my will. Grandbaby's getting it all. 
2033 Mercedes is coming her way. Let's go. She's my joy. And the apostle Paul said, I've preached the gospel and you gave your heart to your heavenly father because of what Jesus done. And he said, you're my joy. That was on a local church level. But Jesus, he is the one who built the capital C church. All believers of all time, of all places, of all people. And Jesus said, I'm laying down my life so you who are far from me can be near. You are now my sons and daughters. Come on, you are his joy. Come on, let's go somebody. And so you know what pushed him through the commitment of the cross was his joy. Here's what you need to know. Come on, sometimes in life, the reason we don't keep our commitments is because the price is too high. Sometimes it's painful to do the right thing. Sometimes it'll cost you to do the right thing. And sometimes you want to get out of it, which is why you don't keep your commitment. But Jesus, he endured the pain. He was willing to pay the price so he could get to the prize. Y'all are his prize. You and I, we are his prize. Come on, say that. You and I, we are his prize. He was willing to endure it. He was willing to go through all of his pain. He's willing to go through all of his struggles to get to the prize. Now, he didn't necessarily want to. In fact, when you read the gospels, Jesus finds himself in this place at the end of his life called the Garden of Gethsemane. Let's say that together. The Garden of Gethsemane. Say it one more time. The Garden of Gethsemane. Names in scripture always mean something. So this is the night before Jesus is crucified. And the Bible finds him in this place where he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's praying. And he's praying this prayer because he knows the pain of the cross is in front of him. And he's like, Heavenly Father, if there is any other way to get my joy, then let's go that way. But if not, let your will be done. Now, here's what you need to know. Gethsemane, it was an olive grove. It's where olive trees were grown. And in the middle of the olive grove was an olive press. They would harvest all of the olives. And they would take them to the center of Gethsemane. And they would take all the olives. They would put them in the press. And they would press the olives down. And that's how you would get olive oil out. Olive oil was an important part of the economy and culture of Jewish people, which is why it was in the center of their community. So the place where Jesus was at, Gethsemane, say it with me, Gethsemane is the place of the press. Come on, somebody. Come on. The press is where you pay the price. And if you don't pay the price, you can't have the prize. And Jesus knew I can't get my joy unless I'm willing to go through the press. See, the reasons a lot of us give up on our commitments is because it costs too much. It's too painful for purity in a relationship. Sometimes it's too painful to say no. Sometimes it's too painful to get out of bed in the morning and go to the gym. Sometimes it's too painful to keep on a budget. And so we just tap out on commitment. But I'm just telling you, some of you need to stay in the place of the press. If you'll stay underneath the pressure, God will honor you with the prize. Come on, Jesus was pressed with pain, but he door for the prize of his people. Let's go, somebody. See, we want to tap out. The reason we don't keep our commitments is because we don't see the prize. We see the price. And if all you focus on is the price, you won't pay it. It's too painful. I've talked often in, in these circles about my wife and I, and, you know, we, uh, we had every credit, name a credit card, and we had it. In the malls, when malls were much more popular, we had credit cards, all that junk. Fashion Bug. Y'all don't know nothing about Fashion Bug. American Eagle, Macy's, O'Neill's, JCPenney's. We had it all. Visa, MasterCard, Visa, Visa, MasterCard. We have more. Come on. I should have took out stock in plastic and I'd have made money. 
We were broke. We were more broke than a joke. We didn't have any money. We had debt. We looked good, but we didn't own anything we was wearing, didn't own anything we was living in, didn't own anything we was driving. Bank owned it all. And we came to this really simple conclusion. We can't continue to spend the way we spend and have any level of peace or any level of financial security. And so we had to get on a budget. You want to talk about painful. I don't care if the sale looks good. We're on a budget. I know they're going out to eat. We can't go because we're on a budget. And so here's what I want you to know. It's order, and some of you need to hear this. Some of you, if you don't even love Jesus, you don't know about Jesus, then let me help you financially. Because some people say, listen, we just don't make enough money. And while some of us for sure have financial struggles that others can't appreciate, here's what I know is you balance a budget by making more, spending less. And some of us, listen to me, while a budget feels painful, saying no, having restrictions, having limitations, Dave Ramsey says this, that a budget doesn't restrict your, it doesn't restrict your present, it frees your future. Because if you're willing to live to a budget and say no to yourself at times, it allows you to have a freedom in your future to buy things that other people won't be able to afford. Come on. But you got to endure the pain in order to get to the prize. You got to be willing to pay the price to get to the prize. Come on, somebody. So commitments, you're taking those are maintained best. How do you maintain your commitments? How do you keep your commitments? They're maintained best by keeping your eyes on the prize instead of the price. If all you see, listen, can I, can I just talk to you for a minute? I know this isn't popular in culture, but I just want you to hear this. Listen, we live in a culture that is increasingly sexual, and I'm not even getting all the other stuff, but I know some of us, man, we feel like we got to tap out. We got to give in. We got to give them what they want, and I recognize that's not just a pressure from guys on girls. That's a pressure from girls on guys, and if you are not a Christ follower, you might feel like I got to tap in. If they're going to accept me, I'm going to have to give myself to them, or they're going to walk away from me, and I don't want to be alone because that's too high of a price. I'm just telling you, if all you see is the price, you'll never keep your commitment of purity to Christ, but if you'll maintain a level of purity to Christ, I promise you, he will bless you with a prize that's worth it. Maintain your purity. Maintain your integrity. When all of your business partners, when everybody in the industry is fudging contracts and changing numbers, and if you do it too, you can get money from Social Security. You can get money from the government. You can, listen to me. I'm just telling you, it's going to be painful in the moment because you're feeling like you're sacrificing. You're going to feel like you're losing out. But if you'll get your eye off of the price and put your eyes on the prize of what God will do. Jesus said that the cross is the most painful form of torture ever created by the wickedness of mankind. But Jesus said, I'm willing to endure the pain and the price of the cross. Why? Because he was willing to wait for the joy on the other side. Come on. I'm just telling you what's keeping us from our commitment is all we see is the price and we're not seeing the prize for the joy. What's your joy that's waiting for you if you'll keep your commitment? What's waiting for you on the other side of the thing that right now might be hard to say yes to and easy to say no to? Listen, abs of steel, baby, they're going to cost you something. Get rid of some junk in your trunk. That's going to cost you something. Get financially fit. That's going to cost you something. Be head of the class. That's going to cost you something. Make it out on the field. That's going to cost you something. Have a successful marriage. You know what? Mm. You want to start paying a price in your marriage instead of tapping out like the rest of our culture does? Bite your pride. Walk into your spouse and say, baby, you were right. And I was... Hold on, Shauna. I was... I was wrong. Man, that was painful. <laughs> but you want a great marriage? 
pay the price. And you can have the prize. See, everybody, all they see, all they see, all you see, many of you, is a broken marriage or great marriages. And a lot of us just don't distinguish how we get from one to another. And how you get the prize of great marriage is to pay the price. How do you get to the prize of being financially secure? You got to pay the price. How do you get to an incredible relationship with Christ? You got to pay the price. Some of us are not walking in the calling on our life, not because we don't have one. It's because we're not willing to be committed to what it takes to have it. Are you all here? I'm telling you, come on, who's here willing to pay the price so you can have the prize? So Jesus, he goes on and he has this conversation. So again, his his point, the point of Hebrews is you, you you can't have the prize without the price. And the only way you're going to pay the price is to focus on the prize. And Jesus doubles down on this conversation for us. And he has this conversation with his disciples, which FYI, if you say you love Jesus today, you are a disciple. I don't call myself a Christian because Christians have a horribly bad name in our culture. I'm not a Christian. I'm a Christ follower. I'm not a denomination. I'm not a Baptist. If you were, oh Lord, you help me. I'm about to make some of you mad. Quit calling yourself a Baptist or Methodist. A Baptist is a denomination that did not exist during the time of Christ. Jesus didn't die for Baptists. Jesus died for people. I don't follow Baptists or Assemblies of God or Methodists or Lutheran or Episcopalian or Catholic or Church of Christ. Come on, we follow our rabbi, we follow our master, and we follow our, our savior. His name is Jesus. I'm a Christ follower. Great quote. Uh, used to tell my, my staff in our school of ministry that you need to be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Follow Jesus so close you're covered in his dust. So here's what Jesus has to say in this conversation. Luke chapter 14, listen to this. It's about to get tough. Look at somebody and say, it's about to get tough. This is going to sting a little bit. Just blow on it. It'll get better. Rub some tussing on it. Luke chapter 14, Lawrenceburg, Shoals, Florence. Watch this. A large crowd was following Jesus. And he turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciple... You must, these next two words, say it together, by comparison. Say it again. One more time. By comparison, hate everyone else. Your father, your mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters. Some of you are like, check, check, (laughs) check. (laughs) Some of you are like, I'm in. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. What is Jesus talking about? Jesus is having a conversation about commitments. And he's saying, listen, now this this doesn't happen in churches. We just tell you as pastors, and I'm guilty of this, hey, pray the prayer and you're in like Flynn. It's all good in the hood. And Jesus is saying, wait a minute. While grace is free and costs you nothing, following Jesus will cost you everything. So he says, before you get on the Jesus train, before you get on the J train, let's just talk about the entry fee. If you want to be my disciple, then the level of commitment is going to cost you everything. He said, in fact, by comparison, so he's not, so don't anybody say, wait, Jesus telling us to hate our parents or hate, hate our spouse? No, he says, by comparison. So he's saying, our commitment to Christ is so high that it looks like we hate everybody else. 
See, the challenge, the reason a lot of have a struggle keeping commitments is because we feel like we're overcommitted. Well, pastor, I can't be, on the, be in the house on Sunday because I got my son's ball game and we're out on the field. And I, I can't be in the small group because I'm out on the river. I would like to be there. I, I, can't, I can't give financially to kingdom builders because my money's wrapped up in whatever. And the challenge is, and you all need to hear this, the issue isn't that we're overcommitted to too many things. The problem is we're undercommitted to the right things. He's saying, if you'll make me the priority in the apex of your life, he says, it's going to feel like you're hating on some other people. It's going to feel like you're hating on some relationships. It's going to feel like you're stiff arming even your parents. But he says, if you'll follow me and you'll make me your prize, he says, I'll bless you with a prize on the back end. He said it this way earlier. He says, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. And he says, I'll add all those other things to you. Come on, somebody. So that's the challenge. But what I have found, unfortunately, in my own life is a lot of times I say yes to what makes me happy and not always what makes me healthy. And those two things are sometimes diametrically composed, opposed. My uh, Shauna called me on Tuesday night, I think it's Tuesday night, and she said, uh, she said, babe, she said, I'm going to go get my nails done, so I'm not going to be home from work uh, for a little while or be home for a little while. And I was already at home, and she said, uh, she said just want to let you know. She said, so, so what are you going to eat for dinner? To which I said to her, I said, well, babe, the bad news is um, I just heard from my chef and she's going to get her nails done. <laughs> so I don't, I don't, I really said that. I said, I, so I don't really know what I'm going to eat. And so she was laughing. At that same time, my son walks in my office and she, he says, dad, what are we going to eat? I mean, that's all, when you're, when you're in high school, that's all you do is eat. When you're eating, you're thinking about what the next meal is. So he says, dad, what are we going to eat? And I said, I don't know. Mom's going to get her nails done. So he says, let's call her back. And so he gets her on the phone and he says, uh, mom, what are you going to bring us to eat? Me and dad are hungry. And he looks at me and this is what he says. He says, dad, do you want McDonald's? Now, don't, don't get all religious on me. Someone has eaten the 18 billion hamburgers they have sold. I love McDonald's. I mean, I, it brings a lot of guilt and shame to admit that, but I love. And so he said, dad, you want McDonald's? And I was like, Ugh. And he said, you don't want McDonald's? I said, no, the problem is I want McDonald's. McDonald's makes, come on, there ain't, your mom ain't never cooked anything as good as McDonald's French fries. That's a fact. So I was like, I want it, but the problem is McDonald's makes me happy, but not healthy. And if I want to be healthy, then I got to be willing to pay the price to be healthy to get the prize of being healthy. Are y'all hearing me? See, I'm just telling you, like, you follow that logic down, just follow, the, the same way if you want to be healthy over happy, it doesn't just apply to physical food, it applies to relational food. Some of you are happy in your relationships and it's costing you your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health because you're not willing to pay the price of telling some people no to get the prize of what God's yes is in your life. Come on, we got to go through the season of the press to pay the price to get the prize. Come on, one more time, who wants the prize that God has for you? Then we have to be people of commitment. So here's a question. Did you know that Jesus is all in on you? The question is then, are you all in on Jesus? He's all in on you. Are you all in on Jesus? Like this is almost a constant reminder of scripture. It says things like this, to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. Jeremiah says, seek after the Lord, search after him with all of your heart and you'll find him. Proverbs says that if you'll commit all of your ways to the Lord, he'll direct your thoughts. It's this constant reminder like, are you all in? 
Now, here's the problem. A lot of us, we have this kind of, I'm not sure if I'm all in. And that's why you've never experienced the prize of following Jesus. Because you don't get the prize. Jesus said a man, a man went and found a pearl in a field. And he went and he sold all he had to buy the field. He didn't need the field. He wanted the pearl in the field. And see, a lot of you are just kind of halfway in on Jesus. And hear me, I'm not saying that with any shame at all. Because there's been lots of times in my life I've been halfway in. And then we wonder why God fails us and why he lets us down. And the issue is because you've not really yet paid the price to get the prize. And you're waiting for God to be all in on you before you're all in on him. I'm just telling you, God's already all in on you. Are you all in on him? Are you all in on him in your relationships? Are you all in on Jesus in your finances? Are you all in on Jesus in the decisions we make daily? Jesus, he goes on in order to help us filter this conversation. He says this in the backside of Luke 14, we're just reading. He says, but don't begin, don't begin being a disciple of Jesus. Don't begin until you count the cost. I love Jesus. He's so practical. Listen to this. He says, for who would begin constructing a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone's going to laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started the building and couldn't afford to finish it. Here's this conversation. I love it. He's like, hey, before you get on the J train, count the cost. Before you make a commitment to say, I belong to you and you belong to me, are you sure? Because the commitment's going to cost you something. There's a price to the prize. And he compares it to somebody who builds a house. Nobody just goes and starts building a house. Do we have the money for the property? Do we have a money? Do we have enough money to build this, this size house, this many square foot? Can we get laminate countertops? Can we get quartz countertops? What kind of cupboards can we afford? How much lighting is in the package? He says, count the cost before you build. And he says, following me is going to cost you something. And before you start following me, be sure you're willing to pay the price of the commitment. I don't know if you've not had this conversation. If you're a parent and you've not had this conversation and your kids are young, this conversation is coming your way. Your kid at some point in their journey is going to come up and ask you this question. Can I have a puppy? I'm just telling you, get ready, it's coming. Now, I have found this out. This is true. There are some ugly babies in the world, but there there is no such thing as an ugly dog. Every puppy's cute. Come on, how many people know that's true? No, No, I'm not saying your baby's ugly out loud. But there's this ugly baby, but I'm just telling you, every dog in the world is every puppy. Man, there's just nothing cuter than a puppy. Now, cats, meh. And your little daughter, your little son runs up to you. Can I have a puppy? And you know the only thing they're thinking about is the prize. And right away, we get mom and dad mode. And we're not thinking about the prize. We start thinking about the price. Because that dog, while that dog's cute, and you can go play with that dog whatever you want to, and he'll lick your face, he's so happy to see you, your parents aren't glad to see you, your mom and dad ain't happy to see you, your friends aren't, but your dog's always happy to see you. But parents, we understand something. This dog comes with a price. We gotta buy his food, and we gotta take him to the vet, and we, we, we try to navigate this conversation with our kids, but it don't ever work. Listen, if you gonna get the kid, are you, are you gonna clean the poo out of the yard? Poo is the most appropriate church word I could find. I don't want to clean poop up. 
you got to walk the dog. And sometimes it's not what you want. Sometimes the dog needs exercise. You got to go out and walk your dog. You got to clean the poo up. You got to play with it. Sometimes you got to bathe it. And we're trying to convince this little kid, I know you want the prize, but the prize has a price. Did you know that about 20% of all dogs that are in pounds are returned by families that all they saw was the prize, but didn't want to pay the price? And this is what Jesus is saying. Jesus isn't saying ignore the price. He's saying, count the cost. Decide the price of following me. It will cost you something, but I'm prom- his promise is, if you are willing to pay the price, I will reward you with a prize. But if all you see is the price, you'll never buy in. You'll never go all in on Jesus. But if you look past the price and look at the prize, commitments become much easier. When I was a, I've told this story, but when I was a, a young Christian, the night I gave my life to Jesus, Ohio State Youth Convention Center, March 19, 1989. I walked down to an altar for the first time, never really heard about the love of Jesus. Tears streaming down my face, snot running down my lip, cried a desperate prayer, God save me, forgive me, come into my life and be my savior. And from the time I walked away from that that moment at an altar in Columbus, Ohio, go Buckeyes, walking out, I wasn't even out of the convention center yet, walking out to the bus to go back home to Akron, Ohio, I was already in my mind thinking, this is going to cost me something. This is going to cost me some relationships. This is going to cost me some popularity. This is going to cost me some parties. This is going to cost me something. Am I willing, before I really go home and tell people that I'm a Christ follower, am I willing to pay the price? And I'm just telling you, I didn't always pay the price and I always regretted not paying the price. But I can stand here as your pastor and as your friend and tell you that anytime I paid the price, I never regretted it because God always rewarded me and blessed me and honored me with an incredible prize of keeping my commitment of following Jesus. Always, every time. You can't have the prize without paying the price. You just can't. One scripture and I'll close. Galatians 6, 9, here's what the Apostle Paul says to all of us low commitment, no commitment people, to all of us who are tapping out too easy, to all of us who are afraid to go all the way in, to all of us who are folding rather than following through, this is what he says. I want us to read it together. Lawrenceburg, Souls, Florence, everybody online, every voice, one verse, let's read it. And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. He's saying, stick it out, fight through, don't give up, don't walk out on your marriage, don't abandon your kids, don't give up on that friend, keep following Jesus, keep staying committed, honor your commitments. And he says this, come on, the price is high, no doubt about it, but the price is worth it. How many of you in this room in Lawrenceburg and Shoals, how many of you would just be honest enough with me to say, your bar on commitment probably could go a little bit higher. How many people want to raise the bar on commitment in your life? Will you do me a favor? Will you stand to your feet in all of our locations? I want to pray for us together. Come on. Let, come on, let's, let's not make it my prayer. Come on, let's just lift our hands and just ask God, God, will you help me? Lord, will you help us not to always just see the price? But Father, in our decisions and in our conversations, in our businesses, and our finances, and our relationships, God, in our, in our walk with you. God, to honor you, it's going to cost us something. To do the right thing, it's going to cost us something. Ethics, morality, purity, it's going to cost us something. 
But Father, help us to see past the price and to see the prize. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Father, when we're enduring through tough, tough times and difficult seasons, Father, help us to not give up the place of the press. God, help us to get on to the prize. Father, I pray God, raise the bar of commitment for us as your people. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed said amen.